Hello everyone. Welcome back friends and colleagues and peers of the program. Welcome on back. Uh, been living life here. Still trying to get that um, intro music going. I apologize. This is just like the cut and dry cryptocurrency podcast. Um, I I mean, we don't pull any bullshit here. You know that there's no there's no glitzy, glamorous advertising that they use in whatever Burbank or the hills of um, California or so like we don't I don't delve into all of that whimsy flim flam that I just doesn't amount to anything uh, but what I what I'm mentioning to you is a desire of mine to be more fake in life uh, I think for a minute I was thinking that like I was fake but actually it, the problem that I have is that it's too too honest I think uh, but like the world, a lot of times maybe is under the impression that you're not supposed to lie, but there's these dynamics I think that exist like, uh, telling the truth or telling a lie that everybody wants to be on the side of, well, I'm, I'm a truth teller, but, uh, there is a big push musically for lyrics that people are writing, or I guess just artistically during the years like 2000 to 2015 more like 05 to 15 for people to be uh real or genuine or and like i mean it still persists today you're like i'm the realist in the game uh everybody wants to be the realist it's just that uh the last five years we've had a different take on that i'd say just artistically things going on lyrics that people write in songs uh, at some point we realized that there's something superficial about being real, um, or being the most real. I think that it's like, it's basically always superficial, maybe, to be real, or, or um, the world of the fake actually offers a lot more for you and for I. The world of the fake or like conspiracy imagination, things that you can make up. And, uh, yeah, like things that you can make up. Somebody who doesn't like conspiracies, that's what they would refer to it as. You're just like, oh, bullshit that you could make up. But um, the realm of you go into where you can create things, uh, the th things that have not yet been created, like go into imagined... <clears throat> like imagine things or make analogies for things that are already true, or like say them in an artistic way, like... Uh, the conspiracy theorist David Ick. He's this British guy that just tells tales of like reptilian creatures. And he's like the the moon is this giant radar signaling machine that's like beaming frequencies onto the earth in order to manipulate narratives and shit like that and, and reptiles are running the world. But like so there's conspiracy theorists like that that say that out there, but this guy that I'm talking about kind of weaves this whole tale like it's like uh, like it's a giant analogy or a giant movie when it's like the things he's saying aren't exactly true, but maybe they could be an analogy for behaviors that are exhibited in real life in people and especially among leaders and shit like that. Like it. 
it helps to be able like you can you can you could say things conspiracy allows you to say things that are crazy but they're like i think when people talk about reptiles or they talk about like if they talk about reptiles that just represents reptilian behavior in in humans which does exist but like conspiracy allows you to tell tales and and analogies whatever but i'm just saying that there's the world of the fake and it kind of has no end like there's no there's no end to the depth of that it's like perception itself or if you're allowed to uh say more about perception it would be this it would be a similar thing um as delving into the depths of the world of the fake um because if you were if you were to give yourself access to any kind of perception then you're just it's like giving yourself access to lunacy um or saying like whatever whatever standard for describing things is okay and so yeah like if you already listen to this program you're probably on board with conspiracy so i don't need to combat the haters really i probably spend too much time doing that my podcast like like well this is what you'd say if you didn't like if you didn't like it um it's all right uh, i don't have to spend all that time trying to figure out what somebody would say about it but like Hopefully I start my new podcast. I, I might um, I might continue this podcast and then start a new podcast, the one I was referring to in my most recent episode where I'm driving around in my car and then the video would be just of the road. Um, I might start that podcast. That one would have guests on it. That might be a completely different podcast from this one and then I make this one maybe more focused on cryptocurrency, but like uh as long as but this isn't a cryptocurrency podcast i'm just talking about currency but in other words there are many standards for relevance that's what i talk about with currency and the standards for relevance for their like they're spoken in currencies that people come up with either for your nation or like a cryptocurrency but there's just all of these standards like the U.S. dollar and America, because it has these borders, um, because it's a country, it gives you gives everybody a standard for money. That's uh, that's really standard, but it's just like a temporary meeting place, but in which people can exchange. But that's really just what words are or uh, sentences. Like a conversation that you have is you is an opportunity to interface with people and then like the words that you come up with are mediums that are uh that are platforms through which you can exchange exchange information um i'm just i'm getting paranoid about the sounds that birds are making at this moment uh paranoid thoughts running through my head about the sounds that birds are making but like i don't uh, i'm not really that i'm not really like that paranoid like i'm not actually one of those crazy people holed up in their house or anything sometimes maybe i like to give that impression uh or like maybe that's what you would think like i kind of maybe like to paint that picture a bit too much like uh oh the going to the world like i like the world of the fake or the conspiracy world or like i'm actually this very paranoid like very schizophrenic person or something 
I mean, I just kind of like to emphasize what could be judged about me for some reason. It's not really true, very like cons- like all of the time, and so it's not always the best to like like uh make try to make content or monetize or materialize uh like a, a disorder but it is like generally a disorder it's, some of them are like disorders that i in, infringe on or that i could say that i have like but i'm not i mean to some extent right now i'm just arguing with somebody who would tell me that i wasn't paranoid but like i i definitely am but i'm not uh i'm not that crazy like i i go out like i like i might try to emphasize or like build up the persona of that i really am like very paranoid or something but it's not really i'm not i'm not that much of a loner like and i don't aim to be i i want i aim to progressively be less of one that's what i'm communicating to you and then i'm telling you tools that i might use in order to like help myself out of that situation how do you become less of a loner um and uh like then i tell you about things that i am adventuring into in my life in like as proof that i am more than just the words but like there's people on youtube like pewdiepie and i don't know that he does anything uh beside outside of just making youtube videos and all of his content is generally just his commentary or like you're just living off of what his brain thinks but he doesn't ever have to answer to that but like i put myself in a position here like since I'm the only person here that I have to answer to it, but it's like, I'm not really that much different from a YouTube commentarian. Like, but PewDiePie has hundreds like over a hundred million subscribers and he doesn't have to prove himself actively in the world in any way besides like most of his videos are just him commenting on something. And, uh, like, I don't, I don't know why I have so many expectations on myself or like, or or whatever but um like the point that i'm making to you right now is there's the world of the f- fake and the world of the fake has a lot more depth like if you were to allow yourself to consider any perception that allows you to go into any alternative perception or alternative belief such as like like you could then delve into conspiracy or just thinking that like ghosts or spirits are are real or aliens are real or even if you want to that like skinwalkers and shapeshifters are real or like uh people that are actual reptiles or like from another planet or people that could shapeshift to in in an instant look like a reptile and then in an instant not look like that anymore but i guess that would be something like a demon rather than like if if it was a shapeshifter that's more of like a a demon or like a spirit that embodies commonality is sort of what that references if you want to abstract the idea of demons a little bit rather than pigeonhole it to like a specific set of images like what you would normally think a demon is or just like uh referencing it with satan kind of limits what a demon uh ultimately like a demon is probably more like a shapeshifter meaning that it's more like really agent probably could be anything um if you are likening them to shapeshifters or allowing your speech to include those like allow those things to be in association demons and shapeshifting which it's like um i mean it it sort of is like that it's it's sort of like that i guess 
sometimes I think that my dog is just like an evil spirit that lives in my house. Like that's the way that it, that's the way that it is a little bit because sometimes I just tell him to go in the other room and then he's just like making noises in there at me to like, cause he still wants attention. Like he's not doing that all the time, but like he, he generally just wants to be seen all the time. So like uh, when he's not seen, he's just making noises at me, but it's like, I don't like when he does that and it's annoying to me. And it, it would be like if a ghost was in here and haunting me, but it's like the same way that a ghost doesn't, um, doesn't need to exist like uh it's kind of weird that any haunting would take place when you consider how many people die in the world and then their ghost doesn't haunt anything like people die in houses or they pass away in houses and then the ghost of that person there's not stories later on of them haunting the place in most cases like most people that pass on there is there aren't any reportings of their ghost besides like maybe their relatives might say oh i felt his presence or something but like um there's kind of a standard that you would want to think about with regard to ghosts which is that um that some of them surface like some of them are memorable, like uh, the ones that actually haunt a place for years and years after because some houses are haunted and then sometimes they can actually pin it down to be like, oh, it's this one woman and we see her ghost and she died and she might, and like even the motivations, like this is why she's haunting the house. But uh, the point I'm making is that ghosts are better than others, but like there's this whole network of people that have died like there's this whole network of dead souls but like points of reference as far as like okay this is a dead person people that meet the criteria meaning that they died but there's so many points of reference for the network of dead people and then you consider that most of those people that died haunt nothing and they don't surface at all in anybody's memory they don't show up anywhere but then there are ghosts that they're like for whatever reason the memory of them haunts a house or haunts people's minds like it could just be some could just be like carl young died a long time ago but he like his works of art sort of haunt the world but they reverberate into the they were they reverberate into the world for years into the future just because of the influence that he left but sometimes somebody dies and then that's all that it takes for them to reverberate their for their influence to continue to haunt the world but it's like don't ignore that's don't ignore that there's something valuable about a ghost haunting a place and sometimes uh you can have a ghost you can build a ghost tour around it the hauntings of a place like you can make money off of the memory of a dead person if the haunting is persistent enough like or memorable enough or interesting enough then you can make money off of it but it's like you can't make money off of every every dead person's memory but the people that for whatever reason what like um there might be a strong amount of like data of people seeing things regarding a ghost haunting a, a house or something like if somebody died in a house and then there's lots of reports of like okay this ghost is in here um <clears throat> There might be like a lot of them or there might be a few of them but like i forget exactly what i was starting into by saying that but like the 
there's there's different standards like for a ghost haunting a place it's just that like if it was a major murder and then there's lots of hauntings afterward for like a hundred years there's there's a ton of activity or there's a ton of energy or something that you would have to say like well there's a lot more of ghost here than there is in places that there aren't any of them and you could actually maybe make money off of one that there's a lot of activity but like um, this whatever ghost that is has left their mark by continuing to haunt a place, and um, but it's like so I'm, I'm talking about this in reference to my dog, but like my dog, I in some senses he's just like an evil spirit that haunts because like if I'm just listening to him from the other room, it would be like if a ghost, like uh, for the same reason that a ghost doesn't need to show itself. Like, but some do because they're more in, inherently memorable, like their life on earth or like somehow left a mark after their death for whatever reason. Like there's something to be said about that, right? Like don't ignore the dead or don't make it that like, okay, everybody that's dead is completely gone. That's what people like to do to ignore that there's any ghost activity at all. But it's like, you can't say that there aren't ghosts because... There are thousands of people all over the world, like, reporting new shit every single day. And it's not it's not going away either. They're not going to be... There's not going to be a day where people will stop seeing these things. And so we have a word, ghost, and people use whatever they're seeing as a ghost. So they file it under that category. And so are you going to continue to say that, oh, no, there, there aren't that when there's hundreds of people... Uh, validating the category that exists for this and saying, oh, this is real. Like, yeah, you can say that they aren't real, but there are, like, it's it, it'll never stop that this word exists and people engaging with the word and the reality of the word. But the world we live in, it has, is already, like, integrated with the reality of the, that word and the reality of ghosts and the genre of them. And, like, for whatever reason, some people are able to manifest themselves past their own death to haunt places more than others. But like a haunting is like a re, uh, like a the spirit continues to be there or or whatever. But it's like um, I'm just making the point that like my dog is like an evil spirit, like haunting me, like surfacing with he's like making noises coming out of the blue to haunt me to to communicate to me things that i don't want to see or hear like um a ghost might actually be more joyful to be around than a dog that just wants to be seen but like why would a ghost haunt a place unless it wanted to be seen or still wanted like um like for whatever reason it needs more attention than other ghosts that just went away for because because hauntings are kind of relative but like that's i'm i'm being serious but like the one thing i wanted to talk about also is that yeah so he, i could see it as that he's like an evil spirit like a ghost wouldn't um say wouldn't necessarily say anything positive or negative i feel like most ghost activity that i've seen that people have caught on camera it's like they're really, and what people talk about with them is that there aren't like, most of them are poltergeists. They're, most of them are benign. 
but like this dog is actively in my life and doing obnoxious things all the time like um he is more like a poltergeist or something like he's worse than a ghost because and like he's always making noise whereas a ghost would actually just appear a couple times like um and that's that's sort of what it's like but i am giving you the perspective like let's say negative things about our our dogs because it's i was talking about embarrassment in the last episode one thing that i find embarrassing is just like bringing a dog everywhere like it's an embarrassing situation to have a dog on a leash and be walking him around like that's 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 embarrassing and like i've been i've been talking about this really probably the whole time i've made uh any of my podcast episodes when i was making identity that uh maybe a better way of describing like whatever me walking around with a dog is like that it's i don't like it because it's embarrassing and um it's it's embarrassing to like to walk around with a dog and then have other people see you like why is that even happening but it's kind of embarrassing because like um am i supposed to like like what is the extent of what's expected of me in this situation it's almost like people would have me uh lay down my life for this dog or something like um yeah i i can just already i just feel like if i'm really talking negatively about dogs people don't want to hear it and then people are going to tune out so um or maybe maybe there's something insincere about what i'm saying like maybe i'm just i don't think it's really insincere though i think it's like um it's kind of embarrassing that, like, when I first got a dog, I immediately had this sense of, like, I'm really afraid that he's going to die. Like, uh, the same kind of thing that you hear about, like, if you have a child or something. Like, the second I got this dog, I was terrified that he was going to die. And um, this isn't because, it was, like, right when I bought the dog. This isn't because I love the dog, because I don't, I don't love a like a dog that I just bought that doesn't make any sense and I don't necessarily feel love. It's just like the reason I'm really terrified he'll die is because of fear of social shaming on towards me because you're really a, if you own a dog, you're really not supposed to let anything happen to it and it's like you would probably if a dog died because you were negligent, people would there's people that would be upset with you or or whatever, just kind of like the social stigma of like somebody who's negligent with a dog when we hold dogs in such high regard in the society. Um, I mean, that's the only, that's the only way I could explain why I would feel that way. Like instantly, like I'm afraid that he's going to die or like I'm terrified of what's going to happen. So I feel like I have to watch him. And like, I've basically had that feeling ever since like, Oh, like, like he's a child or something, but this is, um, this is embarrassing that I continue to have the dog and like then because society expects these things of me, that's almost like they're expecting me to like be uh, like lay down my life for a dog when or like because society kind of treats it like I'm a parent and then they call me a dad and, and shit like that. And um, like that whole thing is embarrassing that it's like because of course I wouldn't lay down my life for a dog um that's maybe something more reserved for when you have a baby but like society is so obsessed with dogs i guess is maybe the like 
social pressure I feel that makes me terrified that he might die. But it's like, uh, it's just, uh, like sacrifices I've made and, uh, towards a dog at this point of like, oh, you don't want to want it to die when you've made all these sacrifices, that's that kind of thing. Um, but people are really quick to call that love when it isn't that, or like people are kind of quick to call love anything, but it's like as a means of, um, making you confined to a situation, probably like, please recognize that people hold love over people's heads. Basically everybody does. And like, uh, people have gotten away with it for too long, for years and years, just because everybody thinks that, like, all you need is love, and that ultimately all that we're doing this is for love, or like, at the end, like, uh, people just get into their heads that as long as they're doing it in the name of love, then it will be okay no matter what, or like, people, it's just that over the last 50 years we've made love something like God in American society, like, uh, I mean, people... I don't, I don't think people have been doing that for, like, every century or whatever. But anyways, like, people definitely will use love to say that you need to do these, like, they'll, like, hold love over your head in order to make it so that you're engaged in a, in a thing when it's really, like, some of what people are calling love is, like, fear of breaking rules or it's just adherence to legal matters like um like that where i wouldn't want the dog to die but and then people be like what well, it's just like love that makes you bonded in that way when it's not love and that's not a specific way of describing it it's like i i'm afraid of social shaming but there's a lot of things that are that there but people hold love over people's heads just to like make sure that everybody stays connected or um like well you you can't cross love and so you can't cross connectedness and we're all trying to do everything for the good of the collective or whatever um but like people just use love as the word to say that you like cuz nobody can defeat that and nobody nobody can say that they are anti love and um so people just at this point it's just kind of a parody at this point it's just a ruse where people are like well you have to get together with us because of love because you can't not like loving or like um you're you're the one who isn't the loving person or you're the one who is purposefully being disconnected um if you go against love when it's like you can just you can use the word love or the idea of it to smooth out any differences or like say that you're in the right in any argument you could be like well i'm on the side of love um and you should be too or else what are you like a a disagreeer or something are you um you negative or you're going to be on the wrong side of history or like people act like love is always progressive or like it's the future that like is what i'm saying treating it like it's god like it's the future like the future will one day realize that what we needed the whole time was love when really love is just a um tool it's a tool that a lot of people use to hold over people's heads whatever i didn't want to i didn't want to like be really negative but uh i just had things i wanted to say about the dog i guess and so that always gets into negative territory because i don't really know why i feel so much negativity 
towards this dog he isn't like the worst ever it's just like um it's just that there's such few discussions to be had about like people not liking their dog that it kind of just makes me lash out in like anger or like i'm just kind of confused i'm kind of confused because it seems like i'm the only person who has the story because it's just never the story for anybody that they don't like their dog and but like that's barely my story it's not like the full thing i'm kind of exaggerating but like even if that's the case a little bit so few people give any mention of that that um but anyway like it's annoying that the youtube algorithm um rewards british people no matter what like especially for video gaming channels they're like uh any british people will come up on the youtube algorithm for like gaming channels or i look up video games like i look up people just playing grand theft auto and then british channels of british commenters come up and that whole thing really it's starting to piss me off like it's i'm starting to get angry at British people, because there seems to be this overemphasis on, like, British people, or I think that Twitter and YouTube reward British people, and then, like, there's a lot of American institutions that want to put a good face on things, like, for marketing or advertising purposes, they're using British people more and more, it's like, if there's a conference going on, you have to throw in a British person for some reason, even for things that are, like, American, it's just, like, um, and not necessarily British, could be Scottish or whatever, just somebody with an accent, but, like, what pisses me off about it is there's, like, they need to use somebody with an accent because they know that it works for advertising purposes or something, and it's basically a racist thing where, um, like, America is racist, and for some reason Britishness plays well in America, or it's like, that's a realm of diversity that we're able to take, because we don't have, like, I mean, uh, we don't have that much a tolerance for different diversity that appears in advertising, or just, like, appears in leadership, generally, is what you would say, like, statistically, that's what you'd say, because there's, like, not a high representation of women CEOs or black CEOs, and, um, but, like, uh, British people, as represented, is, is fine. Like, as far as people complaining about it, because the right is going to complain about when there is overrepresentation of minorities in advertising, generally. They'll be like, what, what is this bullshit about? I mean, I, I am inclined to do that myself. Not minorities, but maybe, like, sometimes I might complain about, like, the feminist movement apparently is just about putting women in adidas commercials or like women in cleats like oh okay we did it or what are you trying to accomplish or what is what does that do for women uh besides like put pressure on all of them to be uh star athletes and shit like that like um but I'm saying that like when there's when there's representation of British people like YouTube the YouTube algorithm brings up random YouTube channels of British people. I just feel like they're they're favoring people with accents, but they favor the British and the British is like 
uh, I mean, England at this time is more authoritarian and they're more rule abiding and they have surveillance cameras all up over London and they're like, okay with it. Like it's similar to China, but America isn't okay with that. But it's like England are kind of, they're more rule followers. And I feel like there's American media and especially the leftist, uh, like YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, they, um, I feel like there's this leftism that emphasizes British people and gives British people a platform the same way that they give minorities a platform um, over, like, white Americans or something like that. Because, um, I mean, and part of it has to do with, like, British people are rule followers or, like, they're exemplary or... But that's just this, like, there's this mentality that exists across Americans for like these stereotypes about the British that they are exemplary or they are rule followers or it's like we need to we need to listen to them because they're smart or they're intelligent because of the way they talk makes them sound intelligent but like a lot of that is um like a lot of whatever is perceived intelligence about British people I think a lot of that is overblown maybe that's what I'm maybe that's a problem that I'm addressing it's like British people aren't actually smart they just, um, well, I mean, enough time dedicated to putting, putting on a smart persona, I think actually does make you smart in some senses, but it's like, I, it's kind of like an act or a character, but it's like, in order to be smart or intelligent, actually have people call you that, you, you do have to play a character, you do have to dress up your vocabulary and, like, maybe talk like you're British, like, the way that, um, Richard Dawkins like why is why is Stephen Hawking and Dawkins they're both like the most famous scientists and their names sound the same um so like I don't even know I can barely remember to say I'm right like Dawkins the guy that's still alive and not in a wheelchair he has the most uh ridiculous sounding voice accent it's so overdone and it's so exaggerated it's just theater listening to him talk that guy that's like an atheist hates religion but talks about it like he's he's at least 20,000 feet in the air higher than the next closest or next smartest person the way that he talks like he's so above people so his accent and his persona of being smart is so exaggerated that it's like uh grading to listen to it's really abrasive it like it i it just really blows to listen to that guy him talking whatever he's talking about it's just a bunch of bullshit because like to me it's instantly bullshit whatever dawkins is talking about because um i don't care what smart i don't care what science went into it like um, the unrelatability factor is so strong because of his exaggerated ass accent to be like, well, I'm a smart guy. It, it kind of sums his entire persona up to be like, um, that he's just doing things in the name of being smart, which you can definitely get into that territory if you're just in, you're in the academia hierarchy in physics or science, if you're doing things just in the name of something as general as science or something. Like, if you get that high up that you're a famous scientist, then, like, uh, I don't know that at that point you could do better than Bill Nye, the science guy. Like, because that's what that deserves to result in. It's just, like, a TV 
persona. If it's something as general as science, if you're like a famous scientist, it's really like you're just in the realm of entertainment. And so you might as well be Bill Nye, the science guy, because he's just like a, he's just a TV personality. But like, that's all that you could do if you're really the face of science. And like, um, there's a physicist named Sean Carroll that does that same thing, but for physics, but he just appears on uh, like he'll appear on anybody's YouTube channel where they're trying to have an intelligent discussion about physics or ask like a real physicist questions. The physicist or like when Joe Rogan has a physicist on the guy that comes up is Sean Carroll, but he's just like become the face of physics that you're like, Oh, who is the physicist? It's this guy. And it's really like just a character or an entertainer rather than like whatever he's doing in the name of physics like um obviously you would be like oh i respect whatever his he must be really smart to respect his opinion because he's so knowledgeable uh that's what you would normally do i i feel like it would be difficult for me to respect what he would have to say about physics if you're like at the level of being the guy who's the face of it you kind of have to be a politician and like you're just like a mouthpiece for all of the stereotypes of it or you're just a propaganda machine like you're a if you're the guy who's the face of physics, all your your propaganda machine, the same way that a physics textbook is like just um, sums up all of the bullet points and summarizes it summarizes it into a, a propaganda notebook for like that contains all of the most important pieces or like go to um, go to like remember remember things about physics but it's like i'm saying that uh like physics encompasses so many things that it's actually pretty impractical to summarize it into a textbook and so if you're actually making a textbook out of physics for lay people that don't know anything about it it's just propaganda to point you towards physics things because it can't a book isn't going to be able to express physics and things that happen physically it's like so science is an example where this especially this thing that i'm talking about especially happens since science deals with expressing physical things and really the only important part of like physics or science probably is like shit that you that you experience firsthand and so then like when it's the task of summarizing science or physics into a book the book really does no justice to what the actual field is about and you can't learn anything about it by not uh experiencing it firsthand it, just by reading it you're not going to know anything about it and so basically a, a physics textbook just becomes propaganda like sentences advertisement advertising statements for like these like uh, to summarize the bullet points or the things that the geniuses of the field have found. Um, like it's just kind of, uh, it's at the point that you express physics in the form of a book, it's just an advertisement. But like, uh, I guess a person like Sean Carroll, the physicist, he's just kind of like caricature of, um, He's like caricature of a physicist. I, f I forget what I started to talk about that got me off on this. Um, I got off. I get off on physics. I get off on physicists or like politicians. Um, at least hopefully not. At least hopefully I don't. What do we got? 39 minutes. 39 real minutes. 
Um, but I'm talking about um, real and the fake. And it's like, why did I start talking about physics and Shankar was like, oh, oh, British. Yeah. So like British people and uh, why they're intelligent or like we perceive them to be intelligent. But like, look at the Geico Gecko and that he gets to go. He gets under the radar like nobody calls bullshit on this gecko for years and years and years. Like when they first introduced this mascot on TV, people noticed that he had a British accent. But it's like after a couple of years, people forgot about that. And um, it's like uh, this is part of what I'm talking about. Like people just ignore it when there is a British accent like and the same thing is that it's there's this overrepresentation of british commentators in golf additionally for like when there doesn't need to be for american tournaments i mean like tournaments that are pga tour most of the shit that happens on the pga tour happens in america there's other golf tours in the world that happen in different places in the world like there's a british tour and so british broadcasters should cover the british tour like this isn't a big deal or whatever it's not it's uh it doesn't help anybody to get worked up about this necessarily obviously like it's a uh pet peeve quote-unquote but like pet peeve is a bullshit word that belittles anybody who has a problem because like well it's just the it is the most belittling demeaning thing to refer to somebody's complaint as a pet peeve but it's like uh you could even just write it off by calling it a complaint really because like people disrespect the idea of complaining enough you're like that's you're that's just a complaint but what going even further than that to belittle like a problem that somebody raises or just like to silence people it's like oh that's your pet peeve um like it isn't a it isn't a uh thing that you've come up with or like or isn't like you're being unreasonable or you should really with your complaints or original things that you have to say you should really just recognize that you're something like a um you're like a pet or something like i kind i guess it kind of makes you into uh makes you into an animal but what is the pet peeve like the complaint is a pet peeve or it's like a pet argument that you're carrying around with you like i'm trying to dissect what people mean when they say this right now like there's a pet argument like oh this is your little like you you have a pet or like this is like <laughs> yeah even um like i mean i think that that in i think that that describes how having a pet is embarrassing because you can call it a pet it's like your your pet or and what you do with your pets you pet them and that's essentially the main function or the main benefit that you receive so that like you can give love to this animal you can pet it but it's like uh i mean at some point that's all that it amounts to i mean i, I don't know it's a little bit it's a little bit belittling to refer to somebody's pet as their pet rather than like the dog that is a name whatever i don't know it's it's more belittling to say like oh you're valid like as if i don't uh have 
things that I run up against or things that I disagree with. I think that's a way of telling people that they should be more loving or agree with people more. It's like, well, your problems are just your own little pet peeve, your own little side projects that you should really just be ignoring. Um, as if there isn't, uh, there aren't things to be open-minded about or like things to create, things that need to be revealed, things that need to be brought into the light out of darkness. Like uh, a lot of things that are like a, might be a specific problem to you is maybe a realm. So maybe it's like you can kind of create something around that or you bring that into the light in an artistic way and then you can like make music or or whatever or at least have an interesting conversation and um so it's like you really shouldn't belittle your problems or things that are like specific to you it's like a way of saying that you shouldn't have things specific to you uh but it's not a it's not a real problem it's not a I, I don't know. It's just something that people say. Obviously, you don't have to give respect to the people who say pet peeve, but this is like one of the least interesting things that I've talked about this entire hour is this idea of like, you shouldn't say pet peeve because that's belittling. Like it's, it's, it's belittling to me that I, I don't know, everything, everything's belittling. Every, like everything's a critique. Like I, uh, like how on Pimp My Ride, when they say that they like popcorn and then they like put a popcorn maker in in the trunk of their car and they're like we hooked you up with a popcorn maker so you can drive around eat popcorn whenever you want um it's you're gonna it's um revolutionary or whatever but like now you're driving around with a popcorn maker in your car just because you told the Pimp My Ride people that you like popcorn. It's like they're making fun of you or something, but they do that to everybody's car. And then think about that, like, you probably don't have another car. And so then they, it's almost like they embarrass you with all the things that you told them, or they're like, they're making you stick, they're like judging you with the things that they know about you just on the surface or like, well, it sounded like you liked this, like they go in and change your car around for because they and they don't even know you. But like, um, I'm saying that in reference to what exactly, like just that all of conversation are judgments and like things that you say about yourself, people come back and try to inflate it in your life. Like that is the judgment that defines you or like say that, like, um, I don't know, like, things that you like can just become critiques or they kind of are they're living critiques already like the things that you tell people that you like are what you will get criticized for but um that's not important what's important is like i i'm saying that the geico gecko goes under the radar people don't call bullshit on it for years and years and so he continues to be on people's tv as a result and it's like a certain undefinable quality because people don't really understand the uh context exactly for british speech like for the same reason that we don't really understand the british office but we like the american office in america the british office is like sarcastic and funny but generally americans don't understand where the sarcasm is coming from because they don't have enough context about britishness so there's like there's undefinability uh, about like what it actually means to be british and so this allows british people to have a platform because 
people in America don't exactly understand the context, but for the same reason that they appear more and more in golf broadcasts, but like, uh, and I would say that there's too many PGA Tour events, like too much overrepresentation of British broadcasters in golf because they just say, um, I mean, whatever it is, it is un- it is not very American, and so it's like new or something. But my problem is that there really should be more representation of minorities or like people who have a Zimbabwe accent or like an Indian accent or an Arabian accent. But, you know, what we get is just a, nothing but a bunch of British people because America is racist and they want... They want, like, whites in front of them. But, like, um, what, I, what I'm what i saying is that there should really be some amount of racism towards uh, British dialects or, like, uh, subcultures within Britain, like, within the island, like, towards either Irish people or Scottish people. There isn't, like, those minorities. We don't often refer to them as minorities, but in America they almost treat them like they are Americans or something. But, like, that's what the media... That's what the media is doing about it, or that's what they've chosen to do, and the algorithm rewards people that have accents. Um, They choose... They choose to treat these British people like they are better Americans or like that we can should continue to live with the stereotype where we listen to them because they're smarter or like they're being rewarded as if they do have something better to say, even though like, and so you might say, well, maybe British people do have something better to say. Yeah, it's just that like all of those video games that there's British YouTube uh, channels made for, most of them are made in American and are more like more uniquely American culture, like GTA, that, like, British people commenting on it isn't as rich a commentary, but yet they're rewarded. But it's also, like, uh, British British pop culture feeds entirely off of American pop culture. Like, they are much more influenced by American pop culture than English pop culture influences America. And so what is, like, what is this equality of... Um, British commentators where it's like there have to be there seem to be like almost as much of them as there are American ones as like represented in YouTube or something when it's really like the amount that American pop culture influences England like American pop culture influences the rest of the world a lot more than any other country's pop culture does and um that you're going to have like lots of British people as if their culture is the one that influences pop culture in in like pop culture fields and like social media uh, that in places where it's completely about popularity. Uh, I don't need to see a lot of British people necessarily because I don't know that they necessarily have the authority on popularity, especially when popularity itself is so heavily influenced by America when and these are all like like Twitter is twitter or whatever is like popularity contest honestly i don't see a ton of british people on tiktok so it's like i'm i'm exaggerating a little bit it's just that like there would appear to be a lack of racism towards like white minorities that are like more diversified groups of whites or it's like people don't even recognize that like there is uh isn't there like special acknowledgement or recognition to be paid to um, French people or people from the Netherlands, like these different 
cultures of people that are relative relatively white like different kinds of white people we don't like there isn't a lot of discrimination for these but also it's kind of like there there is discrimination it happens on the periphery like what you're getting with this podcast but also like the mainstream perception builds these people up and gives them a platform and calls them smart and intelligent like they're the united nations and the european union and they're so progressive and the media treats them all like the greatest because they follow the rules the best like britain is so authoritarian um and like the media is like oh they're they're the example for us like the media would like to have you would like to have America and everybody continue to live in the world where we don't have any discrimination for these subgroups of white people when it's like, I mean, I guess, honestly, there isn't like discrimination for subgroups of any kind. Like there isn't like a ton of people that hate South Africans or anything like that. So I, uh, I'm just saying like, well, British people is actually a pretty broad general group and they just get too much credit. That's what I'm saying. And um, there's just like, are can we be like, can't I hate British people or like, there isn't any of that or the, and nobody getting mad at somebody for hating British people like there just seems to be this general positivity at, like we all act like um, we will always there's always this positivity between us and British even though the cultures are different like there's just too much of this acting like we're equal when this same thing doesn't carry over to like americans and mexicans there isn't a lot of us acting like we're equal there we kind of act like we need to be divided or and if we're not then it's this giant problem like we need a wall between us or or whatever and this carries over none at all to our relationship with british people there it's just like oh yeah we're all they're all equal and they can jump on any broadcast and say something because but like uh, there's like an undefinability, so maybe it works for media or something, but like the media doesn't, doesn't care about diversity so much. Like if a British person works for them anyway, like this is uh that's a pet peeve of mine. And so that's a pet peeve, but, um, Yeah, I guess I went 54 minutes, but <clears throat> so British people are annoying. Something that is annoying is like, um, I was watch. I'm watching this TED talk about, not a TED talk. It's this guy from the TED organization interviewing Elon Musk. It just came out a few days ago. Um, it'll probably be referenced for years to come. Just like everything that Elon Musk does an interview as, like people reference what he said during it for like the next decade now. Um, it's like that's how much influence he has, but people really hate him for uh, succeeding at the game that plays out in the world. And then um, people are like, you, how are you going to distance yourself from Twitter? Like you can't buy Twitter. You're the richest man in the world. Um you're going to, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to put in place to distance yourself from Twitter so that you don't influence it? Because you're the richest guy in the world, you can just own Twitter because then you'll use your money to whatever. 
Um, like, and people just like to say that Elon Musk, there's nothing about him besides that he's the richest person in the world. Also, like everybody is completely stupid in their ability to discriminate between him and other rich people. They're like, oh, I guess they're all the same. That's what they like to do. They're like, that's what everybody does for Elon Musk is the same billionaire as Jeff Bezos and as Zuckerberg. Everybody in, instantly becomes stupid. I mean, not everybody, just people who hate billionaires or want to make this big thing. I just feel like the people that make it part of their personality to hate money or hate billionaires, that they're just like compensating for something or they're just jealous of the billionaires because it's like... Um, you you really don't get to say that like he can uh in the world that we live in because that's the way that the world is set up it rewards the rich it rewards the powerful it's a very like it's a flawed system but um unfortunately this entire system that everybody is playing this game everybody's participating in this giant popularity contest for success for authoritarianism um, to for authority and in order to get more authority you have to follow a lot of rules is what I would say about it I don't know how many people would agree with me but it's like this is a this is a theory that I present to you I haven't heard anybody um, like people have probably said it in different ways I haven't heard anybody present the theory that morality like popularity is a result of morality i th i think directly like the more moral you are the more rule following you are so more popular you're going to be that's the way that the world is set up like a system of like the entire world is a system of authoritarianism um giant authorities governing sub authorities governing governing more sub authorities all the way down to the local level like the local level you're under govern sub-governances of higher and higher gover governments, whatever. Um, it's a power structure, but in order to advance in that or just advance in a uh, company, um, you have to kiss asses, but even just graduate in school, it involves a lot of ass kissing. And like, if you're going to be successful in school, it's a bunch of rule following there. Um, and like being successful in school is what's going to get you money because it's, it's essentially just figuring out what the teacher expects of you because the teacher for your classroom, like if it's just high school or elementary or junior high, the teacher dictates the rules for your, for your class or classroom and you have to figure out what they want and, um, or just like the curriculum, you have to figure out what the curriculum wants. You have to follow the rules of the curriculum in order to get good grades. You have to follow the rules of what the teacher is saying is going to be on the test to get good grades. And like, that's what they say about in college is that your success depends on figuring out what the professor wants. And that's basically true because the professor sets the standard that does the standard doesn't exist without them setting it. Um, they, they do their own spin on it. They have an, they do an artist rendering of the curriculum, like a professor maybe has more control to set their own standards than a teacher does maybe a little bit probably but like um they set the rules and then what you're getting a good grade in is 
following the rules set forth by a professor or like learning the language of a professor or like figuring out their likes and dislikes or like being intuitive about who they are or what they're what they're going to put on a test whatever it's dependent on you following rules following standards success in basically every case is dependent on you following rules and following rules is like a lot of morality but morality specific to the place you're in like morality for a university set of uh rules like classes at a university the morality there is um getting good grades or but it's like being integrating and being part of choosing choosing to be part of the system that's set forward by the professor choosing to be part of the set of rules is um you being more on board with it or being more moral or giving yourself over to the customs and conventions of it it's just like rule following is it's what's going to cause you to be popular in this world it's the same as like youtube it's 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 just that it's following the rules of a game but you like in a straightforward way you could see how um just recognize that everything is this game like the world is just a giant popularity contest popularity contest it's like um it's almost like the world's religion or something the world the world's religion is like popularity or authoritarianism and in order to follow that religion it's like it, of course following the rules is going to get you more successful like if you're not a rule follower you're more headed to prison and lack of financial success but like following the rules staying within legal laws and shit like that is what's going to cause you to not pay any fines and like keep money it's all about following the rules if you want to be successful because everything is just a giant game obviously it's just a like and so if you want to win the game is to be successful or to be popular that's what the world's religion is or like what they're teaching you it's like if you want to get if you really want to involve yourself in the teaching reality or like the reality where there's things to learn or like the where there's things to graduate towards like in school um it's all it's all um it's all a bunch of rule following but then people like People get mad at Elon Musk for winning the game, which he did by being the richest guy in the world. Like, um, he, f he followed the rules or whatever. And then people act like they could morally have some high ground on the guy that um, followed the most rules or something. But it's like, Bill Gates got whatever, how many billions of dollars to do whatever he wanted, and then you see the result of what he did with his billions of dollars because some people when they get billions of dollars are actually going to do shit and <clears throat> bill gates tried to control the entire world by launching a virus that um he used to do his bidding to say that all of the masses have to listen to me because he has the most billions of dollars invested into vaccine companies for years and years prior to that and shit like that oh, oh as it turns out he has a lot of experience and authority in directly in this area and has been talking about pandemics for years and so um but like uh and helped with because he has so many resources in my opinion i think he helped launch the virus on the world or whatever the virus is like uh, i think he was influential in creating it and in order to set in motion uh, a plan or a process of like controlling the world through authoritarianism they were experimenting with it the most in australia but it didn't 
pan out there, but it, like the whole thing especially didn't pan out in America because a lot of people, there are too many people in America that are like, fuck masks or fuck you telling me to do whatever. And basically the, the rest of the world is sort of following in like America's example, like because America generates a lot and in the name of pop culture, you might not like to hear that or like you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter. You don't like to hear that. Um, obviously the rest of the world has a lot to say in the area of pop culture, obviously like Japan and India and whoever, they have a lot to say that influences the world. Uh, They have, they have original things to say and shit like that. I'm just saying like America generates a lot of that original pop culture for, and that they're, that kind of like influences the rest of the world. But like, uh, even to the point of shit that happens politically, but like the world is so connected. It's like America is kind of a leader politically where the rest of the world sees how they react to, um, globalists trying to enforce lockdowns in the name of, well, we have to lock you down because of the moral good of you following the rules of this virus so that people don't die or whatever. Like they're holding some morality over everybody's head through the virus, using the virus as a medium or as a tool um as a scapegoat for for them to do their bidding or whatever like anybody uses any of these things as mediums and then like at some point but it's like what bill gates does with billions of dollars is enact a giant virus on the whole world and he's like oh virus mythology virus ideology virus world virus genre reality art because like that's just uh representative of his personality or what he brings to the table like him trying to control the world through billions of dollars comes through as a specific flavor or set of characteristics and his is something like viruses and uh which is like goes along with he's a computer computer person but like um like anyway like Elon Musk gets $130 billion and he's like, well, I'm going to spend $10 billion of that to own Twitter. And then people are like, well, what are you going to do? You're the richest guy in the world. But like what gets me is just like not being able to discriminate between Bill Gates and Elon Musk when everybody's like, all of you are the richest. Like there's nothing more trustworthy about Elon Musk or something. People like to act like that's not the case or like they couldn't possibly figure out if he was or not because he's so rich that, ah, like you, like, oh, I'm just blinded by his richness. He's just one of those rich guys, like as if he's not more forthright, obviously in interviews, like, and the way he presents himself on Twitter, like he's obviously more forthright with what he's saying. He doesn't keep things in secret and he kind of pushes forward this into the world, like this set of beliefs about things is that people should be more open or treat things not so seriously like um like oh it's twitter like you can actually just go in and buy twitter but like especially if you have billions of dollars or whatever but people act like he's not any more trustworthy than another billionaire as if you don't have the ability to look at one billionaire and and another one and see that someone like warren buffett isn't saying anything about how he made his billions of dollars elon musk is kind of like uh, engaging in the world and active on Twitter and saying dumb shit and like calling himself not like he's just saying things like treating things like they aren't serious. Um, as if you, as if you 
couldn't say that there is something more trustworthy about him than another billionaire, but people are like automatically, well, because you're the richest guy in the world, or make it so that he is that rather than a person that created all of these things. But um, like because you're the richest guy in the world, you have to not be involved. But it's like the world is already set up for the popular people to succeed. And so if he did the, if he got $130 billion, like the world can't say, oh, that's not the system. You actually can't buy anything with billions of dollars um, because like, how is the world going to go back on that when the entire world is fomenting this environment of the more money you make, the more successful you are. Of course, that's your reward. You actually get to buy Twitter and then turn it and then just destroy it or do whatever you want if you have billions of dollars according to the way that the rules of the game are set up. It's just that, like, if you did that, you would probably then lose money or lose clout or lose fame or, like, you would get socially shamed if you did something that was that horrible, but, like, that Elon Musk is able to skirt through things continue to make enough money like people still perceive a lot of strength in his companies to give him money or whatever would reflect that he doesn't like that just goes along with making all the money in the world because people would continue to perceive him as as moral enough that he's allowed to make decisions or whatever like because i'm saying that at some point social shaming would overwhelm him if he was just making shitty decisions with his money and i think that that's what you see happens with bill gates it's like ultimately a, an, an individual can't do everything in the world like bill gates kind of tried to control the world with his money in my opinion but it's like it didn't it didn't pan out because it gives you a lot of bad publicity and like bad publicity kind of kills you in this world um at least it, it would appear it is that way like bill gates is kind of a an example of that but like probably really the only example we have of that um of like what can the world actually turn down the most powerful individuals i think that you see that that's possible with what happened with bill gates and that we're not all under lockdown um but like and not just bill gates but klaus schwab and other bilderberg whatever people but like the world of the fake offers a lot of there's a lot of depth in the world of the fake. Um, I'm serious. But I guess I'll just have to talk more about that later on. It, it was interesting. Uh, I wanted to talk about just like you allow yourself the ability of perception. Um, just perception itself. Um, this is not territory that we get into in the world often enough or it's like we probably don't give ourselves enough freedom to perceive things because we'd be like oh you're going to be crazy but uh i guess i'll talk about that in the, the next one crazy insane uh yeah whatever um stay tuned for more updates about any other podcasts i start in the future and uh subscribe and tell people about it thanks bye